Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Cannon, and I'm the host of Armchair Historians. What's your favorite history? Each episode begins with this one question. Our guests come from all walks of life. YouTube celebrities, comedians, historians, even neighbors from the small mountain community that I live in. They're people who love history and get really excited about a particular time, place, or person from our distant or not-so-distant past. The jumping-off point is the place where they became curious, then entered the rabbit hole into discovery. Fueled by an unrelenting need to know more, we look at history through the filter of other people's eyes. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. Armchair Historians is an independent, commercial-free podcast. If you'd like to support the show and keep it ad-free, you can buy us a cup of coffee through Ko-fi, or you can become a patron through Patreon. Links to both in the episode notes. Hello, fellow Armchair Historians. Anne-Marie here. If anyone knows me at all, they know that Halloween is my favorite holiday. Some of you may know that, as a side gig, I'm a history tour operator who, by popular demand, does more ghost tours than straight history tours. So when I discovered this newly released book, A Haunted History of Invisible Women, True Stories of America's Ghosts by these two amazing women who have firsthand knowledge and experience of the art and mystery behind the ghost tour guide craft. I was sold before cracking the book open. This nonfiction book is co-authored by actress, playwright, ghost tour guide, and award-winning best-selling author Leanne Renee Heber and Burrows of the Dead founder Andrea Janes. Now the book covers, and I quote, Sorrowful widows, vengeful Jezebels, innocent maidens, wronged lovers, even the occasional axe murderess. America's female ghosts differ widely in background, class, and circumstances, yet one thing unites them, their ability to instill fascination and fear long after their deaths. Here are the full stories behind some of the best known among them, as well as the lesser known, though no less powerful, tales whispered in darkness often divulge more about the teller than the subjects." End quote. Their approach to the ghost story differs from most in that they look at the history of these tales, but also the deeper implications of how we have traditionally framed the spooky campfire stories we love to hear and tell. I hope you enjoy this first episode of our October History in Haunting series. I will tell you, right from the beginning of the interview, I had technical audio issues. I say that in air quotes, which I did my best to fix in post-editing. I do my own editing, and while I'm no audio engineer, there did seem to be, let me just say, more audio anomalies than usual. There was a lot of static on Andrea's track, and no matter what we tried, nothing seemed to get it right. And then, in the middle of the recording, inexplicably, Leanna's volume went down. It wasn't lost on all three of us, conveyors of otherworldly stories, as it is not uncommon for spirits from the beyond to come through via electronic digital devices. Leanna and Andrea, welcome to Armchair Historians. Thanks for having us. So glad to be here. So excited, because we are cut from similar cloth, I think. 
But um, I like to do special Halloween month kind of episodes. And I found you guys somewhere on the internet and was really intrigued by this book that you're going to be talking about. So I start each interview with the question, what is your favorite history that we're going to be talking about today? Uh, Leanna, you could go first. Oh my gosh, this is like, when we when we are asked which are, is our favorite ghost story, it's like choosing a child, uh, like a favorite child you're not supposed to. They're all equally lov- lovable, right? Um, I think for me, the, the chapter that I was most concerned about getting correct was my unfinished business chapter, which is my chapter about Sarah Winchester and the Winchester Mystery House. And that particular history, because Sarah Winchester has been so kind of maligned by history and so many histories have been fabricated about her, that's why I was particularly um, concerned with making sure that I didn't accidentally perpetuate any of the uh, myths that had been swirling around her. So I try to be very clear about what the myths have been and about what as much of her history as we know. The thing of it is she was a very private person. So there's a lot of things that are, in fact, just speculation. But um, I I went so far as to to not only travel to the mystery house specifically for the chapter and uh, and talk with the guides there and the house historian there and did a lot of reading, but I also went to her grave in New Haven, Connecticut, and like prayed at her grave for her permission for this chapter. So I was pretty thorough on that one. So uh, let's just uh, tell the audience, what is the name of the book again? It is A Haunted History of Invisible Women, True Stories of America's Ghosts. And it's separated into different sections with different tropes that women might fall into in our various categories. So Andrea, do you want to pipe in about your favorite history? Yeah, I interpreted the question differently. Um, I love <laughs> that. I love that because that is the thing I've noticed since I've been doing these interviews is that, you know, there's no right or wrong answer and people have their own perspective and world from which they come. And so they interpret things in their own way. And I like that about doing interviews. So do share. Oh, okay. So, you know, I read the question and I thought not of our book. I thought of like a historical era. And I don't know why, but so I was like, what is my favorite history? And I kind of like the in-between period where it's like a post-revolutionary war, pre-Civil War. So like the very, very latter years of the 18th century, early years of the 19th century. So like, yeah, your Washington Irving era, you know, like, like put me around 1809 to 1820, right up until probably the 1840s. I find that a very interesting period. It's very transitional and it's, um, it's very strange. A lot of the institutions that we think of as being fundamentally American haven't been established yet fully, and they're growing and they're struggling and they're burgeoning and they're changing. And especially in New York City, it's a city that's rebuilding, getting back on its feet after being burned to the ground, basically, during the war. So you have a city that's really just coming into its own. Everything's in flux. Everything's a little weird. And everything's just kind of finding its footing. So it's, it's an interesting time. Like Jacksonian America is weird to me. So I enjoyed that in terms of bringing it back to the book. I enjoyed the Bell Witch chapter because it, I think, is the only one that actually took place in that era. I, I love it. I love that in between in the way you described it very succinctly. I was thinking, and like, in terms of, say, the newspaper industry, right? Totally. I And I just have to say, 
Andrea's Bell Witch chapter is excellent. So that was one of those chapters where I just sat back and just was in awe of the power of that chapter and how she brings very, very real discussion of trauma into that particular chapter, which is a, a very, very famous documented case, but it also just has lots of possible ramifications. I am very excited for everyone to read that chapter. I'm excited about the book. I've read some of it, but not the whole thing. And I do love your approach. Um, Leanna, could you maybe turn up your volume a little bit? Yeah, I sure can. Is my input a little bit better at this point? Maybe a little bit louder. How about this? Is that better? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny because once we started talking, your volume went down. Down. Huh. Maybe turn it down a little bit because now I'm getting st a little static. It's now you're getting, yeah, I was going to say, I was I'm trying to make so sure that I wasn't. I'm not a tech person and I've tried to perfect this since I started. Yeah, it's tough. It's like, I wonder if it's something that Riverside is doing because it's just, it's, it is fluctuating for sure. So don't Got worry it. about it. Okay. And I, I will say, uh, in all of our defenses, it could be not us, because ghosts and tech are notoriously incompatible. It's true. And I will well, say I, that around me, particularly. I, I live yeah. in a very haunted town, so. I, yeah, and I have a ghost That's a good house, point. So. That, yeah, that could be. Mm -hmm. uh, we've true. had some occurrences in our house, so. Yep, same here. I do see some text scrolling across my screen now that just says, release me. I don't know who's typing that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you uh, had me there. You must have yeah, gone no, to, see, to she, theater see, that's the thing. That's the thing about Andrea. She speaks with such authority, and then you have to be a second. <laughs> oh, my God. My kid does that, too. This morning, she was explaining to me how electricity works, and it was, like, all total BS. But she was telling me very authoritatively, and I was like, oh, you have the gift. <laughs> You know, yeah, it is you. a gift. It is. You just say it as if it's true. There's a guy. <laughs> there's a guy in town who used to do uh, tours at an old firehouse, and half the shit he said was BS. But I'll probably cut this out. But he said it with such authority that I quoted him, and then later found out that oh, that's not necessarily true. And then he told me he said. If I don't know what they I'm talking about, I just say it as if it's true and I make stuff up and I'm like, oh, geez. It's not a lie if you believe it. It's not a lie if you believe it. We do try in our in our collective defense uh, about our situation here. We are trying. We do try to make sure it's very clear in our book what is possibly unsubstantiated and what is in fact historical records so we <laughs> because oh i know telling ghost stories i started out with the because right? i'm a history geek and i started out with the desire to do walking history tours of you know talk about the history of town and then somebody in town said oh you should do ghost tours that's a void we don't have that here Ooh. and so i had started collecting all these stories and you know Things that I say in my tour, some people believe. So if I'm presenting something that is very questionable or could be questioned, um, they say that's another one I use. And um, but then when it comes to history, I definitely am authoritative and believe what I'm saying. So anyways, that's that's interesting. I love that you guys do ghost tours. Do you do history tours too? straight history? Well, the uh, tours that we give, go ahead, Liana. I, I, have, I have done tours in the past with other companies that are just 
just historical fact, but I didn't enjoy working with those companies. (laughs) They're not as fun. I don't know about you, but I'm really into the stories of the people and, you know, what their perceptions were and from that perspective. So anyways, one of the things that you said in the book, Andrea, is that um, that really spoke to me was in the beginning, you say, as cultural critic, Andy Zessler writes, and this really popped out at me, female ghosts have every bit of anger that makes living women sources of fear, but none of the restriction in this way. Ghost stories are often photo-feminist by unleashing a lifetime, a lifetime's worth of rage and retribution. You say, while it's easy to dismiss and belittle a living woman who dares to be vocally critical or angry, it is much harder to silence a ghost. And there, that's the, that's the line I was trying to get to. She has remarkable staying power. And I was telling Leanna before you came on, Andrea, that I'm watching A Handmaid's Tale. So nice. this converged in what I do with the ghost tours, talking about women and also that show. So maybe you guys could talk a little bit more about that. Totally. Yeah. I actually just want to speak really, really quickly to something you said before about history, because all of our tours are grounded in history. And I want to quote Leanna here. This is a quote. I like I put a little graphic under it and I put it on our Instagram and I want to put it on our website if you're cool with it. Telling a ghost story in combination with a precise historical location infuses a dynamic mysticism into what is otherwise taken as historical fact. It gives us as tour guides another angle and perspective by which to consider the past and present merging timelines to make figures of history contemporaneous and haunting. And I love that. So like when people say, are your tours historical tours or ghost tours? I'm like, they're both. The history undergirds the ghost tour and the ghost tour gives us a new lens through which to appreciate these histories. So that's like, I think one of my favorite quotes in the book. Uh, for that Andy Zeisler quote, that's another one people are going to underline a lot. The, the ghost does have staying power and you can't shut her up. And I think it's one of the few opportunities that women have to actually you know, bypass any kind of patriarchal social structure that can silence them because none of your earthly laws apply anymore. So there. Ironically, though, that particular article that I quote by Andy Slice that references a lot of international ghost stories, Japanese and other ghost stories. And when I started researching American ghost stories, taking that as my premise, I was excited to find rebellious, angry female ghosts. There were remarkably few most American female ghosts are pretty well behaved. And I was surprised and a little disappointed because I was like, where are all these vengeful, you know, I'm thinking of like the vengeful Japanese ghosts who come back and they're angry. And they, and here I wrote a chapter about ghostly prostitutes, which is a designation I use because I don't think sex worker can be applied retroactively. Like there was no only fans back then. Like if you were a sex worker, you probably were a prostitute. So that's why we use the old designation. But I, I wrote this chapter I was all jazzed to write about these prostitutes because they'd all been like murdered by their johns and raped and killed and thrown out of windows. And I was like, they're going to be mad. And they weren't. They were like sexy and fun. And they laughed and smelled like perfume and left pearls on pillows. And I was like, wow, okay, All right. So that was an interesting one to kind of wrap my mind around. And I think you can see me doing my mental, you know, gyrations as I'm writing the chapter. I'm like, okay, so maybe we shouldn't be all like hand wringy about them. And maybe it's okay that they're enjoying their afterlife. But also, it's still a little weird. And I don't know. 
Leanna and, has and, something to say. I can see there's something bubbling up in her mind. There is. <laughs> and it's also in how they've been framed by the tourism industry because a lot of those stories cannot be exactly sourced to a specific historical lady. So, and a lot, a lot of, of them, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of them are amalgamations. Yeah, there's no specific personage. And a lot of them are sources for them are tourist institutions, hotels, bars, and so on. Mm-hmm. I will say that you have changed already the way that I'm thinking about framing some of my uh, ghosts or women in my stories that I tell. And there's one particular woman who is portrayed as a horrible woman. You know, she hated her husband and she poisoned him. But I found myself... No, I found myself stepping back because I was a social worker for 10 years. I found myself stepping back and thinking, well, why was she so angry in life? And why... What was her experience with men that... And I never thought about that until I read those lines that we just talked about. So I think um, a lot of it does have to do with how we frame, as Leanna said, uh, how we frame the stories. And I am already so grateful to both of you for presenting this idea to me as in my business, because I do try to, one of the things I like to talk about on my tour is in this historical Rocky Mountain mining town is that We had a very diverse population here that nobody talks about, you know, the touristy kind of places. And I've been trying to kind of uncover that, but I've neglected my women. And so thank you for uh, kind of bringing that to the forefront for me. I appreciate that. And when you find a particularly vengeful, violent or, you know, malign, malignant female ghost, and you think about her as a whole woman and a whole person, They say this a lot about moms. If you see a mom like angry, yelling at her kids, you know, don't judge her. Say to yourself, which of her needs are not being met? You know, an angry mom ghost, an angry ghost is a woman whose needs were fundamentally unmet, you know, by the society in which she lived. I haven't seen A Handmaid's Tale, by the way. I read the book in high school like 20 years ago. I got the gist of it. It's it's really disturbing. I do fast forward a lot through some of the scenes because it's too much for me but my daughter's been bugging me to to watch it and i finally and i'm a binger so i started watching it a couple weeks ago and i'm on this you know binge that i till i get to the end so it's disturbing i will tell you that in a lot of ways so um why don't you both kind of take a stab at telling us about the book well first and foremost it's the greatest book ever written how would you describe it yes um it is a curated selection of women's ghost stories around the country and we're interested in the intersection of women's history and ghost stories so they are broken down into trope rather than by geography And we tried to get a range of geography going, but that wasn't actually really our main focus. Our main focus was trying to touch down on what does the historic witch mean? And we have that in quotations. What does a historic mad woman? And again, very important that that's in quotations. What is is your typical ghost bride or wife or mother? What are the different tropes by which we might be separating out these ghosts into their respective categories. 
And thanks to our brilliant editor, Elizabeth May at Kensington, who helped us structure the book by trope and uh, sort of general premise behind the stories. So it was important for us to make sure that each of the sections had enough meaty, juicy stories in them, some of which are absolutely very easily verifiable historical people. Other stories are complete fabrications, and we break those things down, or are stories about a actual person who was portraying an absolute fabrication. So um, there's there's lots of layers of of reality and myth making that are having a conversation. We want this book to be a prompt. So we're we're so grateful that you use this book already as a prompt, as a question to look at how we in this business are talking about people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we're coming at it from the from the lens of women, but it also is just that that diversity angle. Any marginalized person is going to come at this with a different inter- intersectional reality into this story of the past and the present and our cultural obsession with hauntings. So we do try, I mean, my, my uh, introduction title is Existential Questions because that's what I come to everything with. And we hope we leave you with a few while being entertained. Yes, yes. And I do love that because it's totally with the times as far as how how are we framing our historical narratives? That is a journey that we've been, uh, as a culture, looking at and um, we'll be doing for a long time. And I think that... <laughs> I would have never thought that this would have opened my eyes as much as it has already. Andrea, so tell me about the tropes. Like, what are the t- the tropes that you break your chapters down to? Right. So that was, by the way, the most perfect, succinct summary, by the way, Leanna, for sure. And exactly, um, Anne-Marie, what you added to that is that, yeah, we are rethinking the ways we view our history. So I'm glad that this has been part of that conversation for you. Well, the tropes, like Leanna mentioned, these were the brainchild of our editor. And when she suggested organizing it that way, I was really thrilled. I was like, I'm going to love working with this person because the whole idea of femininity and gender being performative and being a construction plays into that. The idea that you have these roles, these uh, feminine roles. So you have maidens. And my first thought was like, all right, maidens, mothers, crones, right? So we have maidens, we have witches, Mothers and wives, Jezebels, mad women in quotes, and widows and spinsters. And then we have a fun like outlier paragraph on on frauds, which I don't think you can talk about ghosts without talking about frauds and, and myth making. So for me, I liked the tropes as an organizational principle. And also, again, like I said, keeping in mind the idea that gender is constructed and these roles are performative. So I thought that worked on a couple of different levels. Thank you. Okay, so... In the book, Leanna, you say, the thing that surprised me most about becoming a ghost tour guide was that I became a sort of paranormal chaplain, I freaking love that, um, guiding my own audiences through their own questions about the beyond. And why this really struck me is because what I've noticed is, so I started out doing really thinking I'd be straight uh, history tours. Honestly, I have had not one sign up for a history tour this year. It's all been ghost tours. And one of the things that I always say when I'm talking about this to my group is 
you know, this is a place where we can talk about this stuff and we can think about what happens to us, where do our loved ones go? And I never thought of it in that terms. And you actually put terms into it uh, for me. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, about what I mean by paranormal chaplain. Absolutely. Because in and I just didn't really realize until I was leading tours and literally walking people through a city um, as if we were on a processional. And the the church imagery just kind of struck me because I'm very, very interested in like high church mysticism. Um, and uh, I realized that when people were coming up to me to tell me their stories, they were always coming to me with an energy that felt like I was about to receive a confessional because in somewhere in there, they are worried that I am going to think that they're crazy, even though the general premise is I'm telling you ghost stories. So obviously you're not necessarily, you're in a good place. You're, mm-hmm. you know, and yet, and yet people were like, yeah, but really though. And so uh, the amount of times that I get at every single tour, somebody comes up to me and says, what do you really believe though? I try to be very open and very honest on my tours. I'm like, I am a believer, but I believe you should approach everything with a healthy bit of skepticism because our imaginations are just so powerful. And that's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing. But mm-hmm. an overactive imagination is going to posit things that aren't necessarily there. And I don't want to lead with that as as just, oh, this is just creativity at work. I'm a believer, but I'm a skeptic first and a believer second. When all mm-hmm. everything else is ruled out, then the unexplained remains. So people coming to me with their, what do you think about this? It's they're both telling me a story, they're sharing something, and they also are absolutely bringing to me and laying at my feet their fundamental grasp of mortality mm-hmm. and their fundamental question of the of is there life after death and can we rely on it mm-hmm. and is it something we can or should grasp. Those are big, huge things, and I am honored to mm-hmm. be in that place with these people. And every time they share a story with me, mm-hmm. I make sure that they feel absolutely uh, that they have given me a blessing, that they have shared this intimate thing with me that is an inexplicable thing. And I just try to be very real and very warm and very accepting with that. I will never forget there was this kid from down south. He was this young, maybe 12-year-old boy, and his father and towards the end of the tour, I just saw the father like nod the kid up to walk with me between sections. And he just asked me what I thought about the idea that his grandma might still be in his living room. And I said, well, how do you feel about that? Is it good to see her? Because I don't know what, I don't know what these relationships are. I don't go in presuming anybody's relationship with the ghost that they're telling me that they've seen. And he said, yeah. And he just, he smiled very warmly. I said, was, is that a, feel like she's watching out for you maybe? And he nodded. And I said, well, then that's what that is. She's just looking out for you. And that's what you see. And that's your memories with her that are there in that moment. And just enjoy that. And don't worry about that being anything but what it is. But I said, here's what you will have to worry about. Sometimes there's going to be places and spaces where that's not going to be welcome information for some people. And some people aren't going to know how to take that. And some people are not going to believe you. And I trust you to know when it's safe to share that knowledge 
and your experiences and when it's better to just keep it between yourself and your loved ones who do believe you. And that seemed to land for that kid. Mm. Mm. Because I've definitely been in spaces where my discussions of my belief structures are not necessarily welcome and are not going to be heard. So I'm not going to push it on anybody. But I also don't want this kid to be made to feel by somebody else crazy. And so the, the dad just like had tears in his eyes and just was like, Aww. thank you. You know, because it just was one of those things where it's like, I don't know if they knew how to talk about it together. But mm-hmm. like here I was this outside objective person who could just be like, I believe you, but be careful. I said, you've got a sensitivity. I said, and that's, that's a gift, but like everything, you know, sometimes there's two sides of that. So, yeah, um, good answer. Good so answer. That was my, that was probably one of my most, and I do actually, I think I referenced that in my introduction because it was one of the things where I felt like, I really felt like that was a moment where I was like a pastor fielding yeah. a question from a congregant yeah. is what that felt like to me. You know, I, who would have thought, you know, ghost tour guides would have these profound experiences. Uh, There's at least one story that I can really relate to that with, but it is, it's that underlying fundamental thing about death that we do think about every day, though we're, you know, taught not to talk about it. And that, it is huge. People don't know it, but it is huge. And I, I I really love your approach to it. Andrea. What are your thoughts about that? I think that as ghost tour guides, we have a responsibility to not be cavalier about these topics. And it's a very awkward and fine line to straddle because a ghost tour is primarily perceived as entertainment, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, from the very beginnings, when I first started doing this job, was always aware of how difficult a position that put me in. You know, I was like, my job is literally to speak ill of the dead in some cases, you know, to gin up their stories for effect. And I was like, well, if we base this on the premise that a real person lived and died and their ghost is still present in some way, what do we owe this spirit? And over the years, you know, so people have accused me repeatedly of sucking the fun out of ghost tours. But <laughs> I, I know. And I was like, maybe I am. Maybe I should be more fun as I kind of stuck to my guns and continued to offer these like fairly serious minded tours, I found the response was really gratifying because people were looking for that. I think people are, first of all, there's always going to be um, a subset of person that's on the tour because they like local history and ghost stories are a very fun way to engage with local history. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I'm all for it. I'm also of that mindset. And I think it's great. And I collect local ghost stories everywhere I go. I buy the books. I go on the tours. I love them as very niche local histories. I think they're wonderful. There's also another layer, though, and that's where I talk about the responsibility coming in. Are these our ancestors? Are these spirits here in some form? And even if you don't believe they're here literally, metaphorically, they deserve to be honored. If the history of this country is one that is a history of bloodshed, as every country on earth is, then these ancestors do deserve to be honored. And in many countries on earth, they are honored. But here, sometimes there's a void in that regard. And I think people are longing to fill that void, which is why they respond so profoundly to our tours. And I think also that nowadays, when the virus came, I was worried the pandemic, I thought, would quash a lot of people's desire to go on a ghost tour. But it did the opposite, and they became extremely popular uh, because people do want to talk about death. I think people are tired of ignoring death. And America's uh, tendency to not talk about death, I think, is making people feel depleted and empty. And I think they mm. long to discuss it, and they long mm. to talk about it. And they 
they want to talk about the past. And yes, there's always going to be someone on a tour that's like, you're making this political. I don't like this. And it's like, it's not politics. It's humanity. And these things happened. And I'm not, I don't have an ax to grind. I don't have an agenda. I'm not going to hit you with a petition at the end of the tour. I'm just telling you what happened. I think that there is definitely a market for a ghost tour that does consider the deeper implications of our history and our lives, our death and our, our spirits. So I, I think it's there. And at the same time, yeah, like we have fun. We make jokes. It's entertaining. These stories are amazing and weird, but like there's room and, and people are very receptive um, to that, that space. We're going to stop here for today and we'll pick up next week where we left off with Andrea and Leanna in part two. In the meantime, to find out more about the book, A Haunted History of Invisible Women, True Stories of America's Ghosts, and to find out more about Burrows of the Dead History Tours, be sure to check out our episode notes. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.